very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Dr. Stephen Hatcher, welcome to Growing Dentist podcast series. I'm really glad to have you here as our third um, podcast on GrowingDentist.com. Um, before we get started, uh, I would love for you to take a few minutes to um, you know, introduce yourself. The reason I invited you, um, obviously, is because I have known you for several years and I've seen you grow and change along the way. And, um, and I know we do your marketing for you, so I kind of see you from a business side. I see you from a, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. But I thought, you know, um, as a dentist, you would have interesting insights to share with other dentists who are listening to Growing Podcast, uh, Growing Dentist podcast series. So why don't we start by you sharing a little bit about yourself? You know, when did you graduate? Uh, tell us your story, and where are you today? Great, great. Glad to be here. Thanks, thanks so much for inviting me. <clears throat> um, yeah, so I'm um, Stephen Stephen Hatcher. I graduated from Chapel Hill in 2002 uh, from North Carolina. I practice in Greensboro. My wife is a pediatric dentist where we have a, a four-year-old daughter. Um, I started off in dentistry. I So I graduated. I had a, a, a military scholarship for dental school. So I was fortunate I was able to graduate dental school without any school debt. Um, but I owed Uncle Sam, you know, four years. And in those four years, I got to really hone in on you know, clinical excellence. So I really got to just try to be the best dentist, you know, that I could be. And I had uh, a residency, you know, which was which was awesome. And it was just incredible to be able to work beside, you know, specialists and them to show you the tricks of the trades. And so it was a great four years of my life. Learned a, a ton about dentistry. Didn't learn anything about uh, running a practice. Nothing about um, you know practice management or anything. You just you just came to work at eight and went up, went went home at five. And you know it didn't matter if you saw one patient or thirty patients. You know there was no real incentive to work. But you know I was brand new and I was hungry and this was all new to me and all the um, most of those, you know, a lot of the senior uh, you know, dentists in the clinic, they were sort of fat cats. And, you know, the more I did, the less work they had to do. So I was real hungry. So I got to do a ton of work, which was great for me. That's all I wanted to do. <clears throat> and uh, it was it was a great, great four years. Um, it was kind of neat. They they trained us to be able to, in our, in our one-year residency, to be able to handle most, just about anything that walked in the door. Because they wanted to be able to send you, you know, to Iraq or Afghanistan, and be able to, you know, you don't, you're not going to have, a, you know, necessarily an endodontist or oral surgeon there. So they wanted you to be able to handle just about anything. And so after that year, they uh, sent me to Korea, which was great. I'm half Korean and got to um, see my, you know, my roots and see some family over there. Travel while I was in Asia, which was awesome. And, you know, just made the best of it. You know, a lot of people, you know, go to Korea and, you know, they you know, just cry about it all the time. But it was a great, great assignment. 
you know, got to travel to places that are just hard to get to from the U.S., like China, Thailand, Vietnam. And then after that, I was in the D.C. area, uh, finished my tour there, and my wife was finishing her pediatric residency. But uh, the D.C. area was just a, a rat race. You know, the Beltway, and, you know, I just felt like there's no reason to live there unless you have family there. I don't know, there's <clears throat> know why any professional would choose to live there. It just, it was very expensive, um, you know, at the time. It was during the whole housing boom, um, you know, when we were there. And uh, I was like, I Wait, just want to What year there. was this, Doctor? This was um, 02 to, we were there from 02 to 07. So that's when you know, housing was, you know, doubling, you know, all right. the time. And it reminded me of the, the stock market bubble when, you know, my assistants in the clinic were talking about how much their house was worth. And uh, it just reminded me of, you know, the, the stock market bubble when you went to McDonald's and the guy uh, taking your hamburger order was asking you, what does Cisco close at today? <laughs> so... <laughs> I was just thinking, like, oh, we got to get out of here. This is gonna, this is gonna burst. So, and you know, we have both of us are from North Carolina, and I just wanted a, a simpler life. So we were open to North Carolina. I, I, it was kind of crazy. Um, you know, Sona was, um, you know, working. You know, we were, you know, both working, and I wanted to, you know, get back, you know, south to North Carolina, and uh, so I quit my job. You know, without, um, I thought it would be easy to find a practice. Like, you know, I would see these emails and these listings all the time when I was in the farm and say, look, you know, look at this, look at this. I could buy this one, I could buy this one. All these opportunities, you know, Raleigh, Charlotte, you know, everywhere. And uh, it just seemed like there was, you know, opportunities everywhere. And, um, but, um, well, let me back up a little bit. So I got out in 2000, I got out of the Army in 2006. And you know, one of the things the, I kind of wanted to kind of um, highlight is that, uh, you know, just talking to you for the last few minutes alone, I kind of get the feeling that uh, you look at life as, you know, um, even even something that other people might consider as, oh, well, it's painful, like, you know, serving in the army and going overseas and stuff. You look at it as an opportunity, right? And uh, and it's commendable that you graduated without a lot of debt and, you know, and, and also like you pointed out, the fact that you don't have any help and you have to be kind of independent, that was a blessing in disguise because it forced you to really get good at the clinical side of dentistry. That's amazing, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of debt, so I didn't have any any debt, and there's, you know, there's two options, you know, when you get out of the Army. You know, two, the two roads most people take. They either, um, you know, associate or they go buy a practice. And right. the third thing that's a possibility that I don't think is very wise is doing a startup. And this this uh, real successful guy out in Northern Virginia, uh, who I still keep in touch with occasionally today, was building a startup practice. You know, it's going to be brand new. It's going to have all the bells and whistles and all that stuff. And I was like, huh, you know, I got nothing to lose. You know, I don't have. I'm not married. I don't have any kids. You know, why not? You know, I don't. You know, I was used to right. you know, making fifty thousand dollars a year in the army, so I was like anything's gonna be better than you know what I'm doing, <laughs> what I'm doing now. And right. um, so I was like, you know, I'll, let me go see what it's like to do uh, to go to go do a startup. And it was great because there was no risk. I mean, he you know 
he was the one who was on the hook, <clears throat> you know, for the loan, and and I didn't care. I didn't really care, you know, what I was making because I didn't have any bills and right. that sort of thing. So I was like, all right, let me go check it out. And it was I learned a lot in that year. And the biggest lesson I learned is I never want to do a startup again. <laughs> and, and it's a lot of work, and you know, you're you know working out systems. But you know, we in a in, by the time I left, you know, we that that practice was doing extremely well. Um, and uh, but you know, I'm I, um, I I still wanted to get back home. You know, back to North Carolina, hmm. and. On one hand, it's, it was a dumb decision. On the other hand, it was it was smart, you know. So I quit my my job there before I even found a practice here, and because I didn't have debt, you know, I really didn't need a need a lot to live on. And you know, Sugar Mama was working. You know, we were just living in an apartment, and so it really, you know, um, in hindsight, I could have continued to work there as associate, you know, make money and then just on the week, you know, take some, you know, time off on, you know, some Thursdays and Fridays to travel to North Carolina to to find a practice. But on the other hand, it was smart because uh I think it was a smart move is because it forced me to make a decision, it forced me to find something. And then right. I would have if I wouldn't have done that, if I wouldn't have quit, you know, I would have uh just maybe I would have you know, become complacent with the with the situation. So it really it forced me to make a decision. Then, you know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, there's a story about Napoleon, right? I think one of the things supposedly he did uh, is, you know, he had an army that was small and they're in this new island. He burns all the ships because if you don't have a plan B, you're forced to, you know, do something. You cannot dilly-dally and, you know, kind of be on two places or two minds. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, sometimes when you're um you're going for a bold, you know, hairy goal, sometimes you gotta burn you gotta burn the bridges, you gotta burn the boats and uh you know, just right. figure you know, figure it out. And uh yeah. So I think I think it was a smart decision uh, overall. I, I agree. So you sold it I mean you, you left, you quit, you moved to North Carolina, you have nothing and now you have to make a decision, you have to make things happen. This was in two thousand and when? So I quit. Um, it's kind of interesting. So we got married in 2007. My boss came to the wedding. So we got married in May. And then um, in June, July, that time frame, um, you know, shortly after that, I, um, you know, we went on our honeymoon, went to Fiji, and then came back. And I was like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to live here anymore. <clears throat> and uh, so I just put in my notice, put in my two weeks, and it it was a great experience, you know, we're, you know, left on great terms and we, you know, reconnected, you know, not too long ago. And uh, so then the next chapter of learning was when I, when I came to North Carolina, I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. And I just remember, I don't know what it is with Dennis, but um, I would look at practices and it was like I walked into a time machine. And uh-huh. it's like, good lord! I don't understand how patients, any patient, would want to go even go to some of these practices. And I looked at them, I'm like, good lord! Have you bought anything? You know, and it's like, uh, you know, that's the golden goose that lays the eggs. You know, I just don't right. get it. It's like shag carpet, 
you know, just stuff that I wouldn't, you know, I was just like, good Lord, this is, I, I walked into a time machine. And I just looked, and then I just looked at practice after practice. Good Lord, what's wrong with these guys? The Golden Goose. This is in, uh, what year was this again? 2008, did you say? 2007. Seven, okay. Yeah, it was 2007, 2008, you know. Uh, no, 2007, 2007. And um, I was just like, good Lord, um, this is crazy. Um, it's, um, so these practices were not, I mean, it's almost like they forgot that there's a human on the other side and they're going to pay attention to the carpet and, you know, all the other little details, not just dentistry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was... It's just like if you were going to sell your house, mm-hmm. you, know, you got you can't expect. To, I mean, I don't know. I guess they people buy them, but you know, if you want top dollar, um, you know, it's got to be updated. You know, right? Um, I think and that's how I look at it. Everything. Like, yeah, and I was just like, you know. So then I was I was looking at it, and I was just like, well. You know, you spend this much money, um, six, seven hundred thousand dollars. I mean, you could start a practice for less than that. And um, but then I went back to the you know the mindset. I was like, gosh, I don't want to do that again. You know, I just did that <laughs> a year ago. I don't want to go um, you know start from the ground up. You know, I think it's much you know much smarter to um, <clears throat> you know buy a you know buy an existing practice, and that's what you know. A lot of people had told me, I just didn't realize that it's just hard to find, you know, good, you know, good practices. And then when I finally found one um, in Greensboro, where, you know, where my wife is from, um, I was like, oh man, this is a, this is a home run. I got Serac, I got digital X-rays, uh, you know, all computers and all the ops. I can just come in and start, you know, day one. It was great. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, "All right, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do it." And you know, there was all, you know, any, any, you know, your first, you know, your first one, the first time you do it, it's, you know, it's pretty nerve wracking. There's lots of questions you ask yourself, like, "Is there any dentistry left to do?" And, you know, all sorts of things. But uh, you know, it's it was one of the best, you know, one of the best decisions next next to marrying my wife, you know, that I made was, you know, buying that initial practice. Right, so you you took the time, you found the practice that was um, modern, that you know was uh, run by a person who was business savvy, and 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 you're glad you took the time to find that right practice and buy it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was uh, <clears throat> you know it was a fair you know it was fair price, fairly priced, and it was up to date, and it was a no you know no brainer. Um, absolute absolute no brainer. And, uh, right, it was great. And this was in 2007. You bought the practice, right? Well, that's when I identified it, and I think I identified it like in probably like September, October, you know, somewhere around there. And we closed in January, I think. Right. Let's kind of fast forward. Let's see. Okay, you bought the practice um, in 2008, Jan, and then. Um, I just wanted to kind of, um, you know, hear your story, but I want to hear it from the point of view of growth, right? 
What I mean is, um, you know, I have worked with dentists over the last eight plus years, 140 plus, you know, current clients of mine. And I see that they change. They change, um, you know, as they go through life uh, in terms of how they look at the world. Typically, you know, this is human nature, right? We all want a bigger future. And typically, when we talk about a bigger future, we are talking about purpose, money, time, and relationships. So here you are, you bought the practice. Uh, You know, obviously, you don't have any debt, uh, at least from school. That's a plus point. You had learned a lot because, you know, you were in the Army, so that's a plus point. And you have worked at a startup, and you have, you know, some experience. But still, you're pretty, you know, young and green, and you just got married, and you're starting out. So how did you look at the world back then? I mean, what was your purpose back then? And then how did it change, you know, as things progressed, um, you know, as you started having a family, and and where is it now? So talk to me about your journey with purpose um, uh, in 2008 versus along the way and now today. Yeah, to be honest with you, I mean, originally, you know, the you know, the purpose was simple, was to pay the bills. <laughs> You know, and, you know, when you first, you know, the first time you do it and you're on the hook and, you know, you sign that, you know, that initial note, uh, you know, each month, you know, you you, know, you start out and you have a great month, you have a good month, and you're just like, man, can I do it again? <laughs> and then you just, you do it again, you're like, man, can I do it again? You know, there's this, you know, and you just, you, you do that over and over and over and you're just like, you know, it takes a while. To get used to it, into the point where you're like, um, okay, you know, this is normal. Uh, you know, we're gonna, you know, make it happen. Um, you know, you know. So originally, you know, the purpose was uh, to just just pay the bills, just make sure that bills. you know the banker is happy and everybody's happy, and you're, you're making things work. Yeah, yeah. That was that was the you know original purpose, and then. And then as we got more comfortable, you know, with things, you know, with the cash flow and everything in the office, um, then that just sort of evolved into, you know, we just started, uh, then we started <clears throat> letting go a little bit in terms of, you know, we would start doing weekend little jaunts, you know, we would fly, um, you know, last minute go to, I remember one time we went to... <clears throat> to, you know, Acadia at the last minute, Acadia National Park, and, you know, we just started enjoying, you know, enjoying life, um, and just really enjoying our marriage, and uh, having fun, you know, we we really, I wouldn't say we really had a, you know, real deep, higher purpose, you know, at the beginning, you know, we were just, you know, laying the, the foundation, you know, for our marriage, and, um, some point we started um to feel like man you know something's missing and that's when we uh started you know working on you know really working on a family like okay you know a couple of years have gone by you know why aren't we pregnant yet um, you know so then that sort of became a big focus in our life and uh, I'll, right. tell you I'll tell you something interesting um we were we got engaged August 26, 2006. And the reason I know that is um, a year or so ago, 
well, I was upstairs in the house and I uh, saw this lava rock from Hawaii. And it said, congratulations, um, August 26, 2006. And uh, I looked at it and I'm like, wow. So that's when we got engaged. My in-laws were vacationing in Hawaii. And that's when um, I proposed to Sona, so August 26, 2006. The reason that number is significant is because my daughter was born to the day six years later. Wow. So I looked at that rock. I mean, so there's like a, I don't know. It's just, I don't know if that's and highly unlikely. That's just chance. But I just remember looking at that, that rock. Oh my, I didn't even, hardly anybody knows when they, the day they got engaged. But everyone knows their anniversary right. and their kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I guarantee you, um, definitely don't remember. Yeah, unless it was like Valentine's or Fourth of July, something that's you know unforgettable. Right. Most people don't know the day they got engaged, unless it's tied right. to a certain things. So you know, that was kind of you know, I was like, I looked at that, I was like, wow, that's really uh, that's really something. So it's kind of funny, like the way life works out. It just sometimes looking back, it's like, wow, we just you can't even you know. You know, like it's just—it's unbelievable. It's almost like it feels like it's random, but it's not. It's there's something yeah. bigger, right? And um, but like most people, you know, when you started out, you just wanted to survive. You just wanted to make it—you know—make it work one day at a time. And as you went along, your confidence grew, your capabilities grew, and um, and your view of the world grew, right? I mean, it was not just about making ends meet or you know making money. You started thinking about you know, life, your relationship, your family, and uh, and like you mentioned, you started, you know, enjoying life, and that kind of leads me to my, you know, next question around time. So, I bet your view on purpose. Let me back up a little bit on purpose too. So, the other thing I would right. say, like from a from a clinical perspective, so at the very beginning, um, you know, it was I did mainly uh, need you know need based dentistry in the very beginning. And, you know, as I did more and more CE and, you know, my eyes were opened uh, to the possibilities of um, beyond just the, you know, the functional aspect of dentistry and started studying the cosmetic stuff, um, then I started to, you know, dentistry started to change for me and I started to see, like, you know, you can really have some dramatic impact on people's lives with their self-esteem and that sort of thing. And that, you know, became, I became a student, um, a really hardcore student of um, high-end CE, you know, with you know, the Dawson Institute, the Spear, Panky, and, you know, really studied it. And the problem right. or the challenge with these institutes is they teach you ton of stuff of just exceptional, a way to do exceptional dentistry. And what they don't teach you well, at least in my opinion, maybe I'm sleeping during it, is how to get it off the shelf. And that's really important, you know. And one of the things that I don't know if people have picked up on this, but if you go to, you know, Spear Lecture or you know, any any guru, <clears throat> a lot of their cases are dentists 
and hygienists. And you know, they're, I don't want to say they're not practicing in the real world, you know, but um, you know, a lot of those guys are not practicing in the real world. You know, so of course they don't have to do any marketing. They don't have to, you know, do all this other stuff. They've they've established their name, uh, you know, other ways. Uh, and it'd be great if every single patient that walked in the door was a dentist or a hygienist um, who knew what they wanted, uh, and they right. wanted this high end dentistry. But uh, next time you're in a in one of those lectures and you know, look at their cases, I mean, yeah, they have some, you know. You know, regular folks as cases too, but you know, I think that one, you know, little, you know, little tidbit that a lot of people maybe they realize it, maybe they don't. But what I think is important is you know the business aspect of it is how to get that kind of dentistry off the shelf into people's mouths to give people what they want. Right. So it's interesting. So, <clears throat> right. So the purpose changed. So you started out by just focusing on just just dentistry as you know, like fixing problems. Right. Somebody has a toothache, or somebody's, you know, hurting, or you know, something wrong. You're fixing it. Then you're realizing, you know, I can make somebody smile. I can make give somebody self confidence. I can, you know, do more than just fix a technical problem. Right. So right. your view of why did I go to school and why did I end up doing what I'm doing and then how do you look up, look at dentistry started changing as well. And right. then Absolutely. you're saying um, the quote-unquote experts who know how to do these awesome things and you know give somebody a better life and a better smile uh, kind of in a bubble almost, right? Uh, and then so you had to kind of realize and then you did realize that, you know, yes, you know, dentists who know the value of good quality dentistry they're not the average person. So, yes, you learn the clinical stuff, but how do you apply it to the real world? <clears throat> you know, in in Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, with the average person, a mom or a dad, you know, who has all kinds of things in their mind and, and life and responsibilities and maybe just living paycheck to paycheck or, you know, depending on the demographic of the person. So, it gets very interesting, right? It's not just the clinical stuff anymore. It's real world. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of um, angles to it, and that's the problem is in dental school, you're just taught how, and rightfully so, you're just taught how to do the, the clinical aspect of it. And But, you know, they don't really teach you how to run a business. They don't teach you how to communicate with you know your team, and you know all. You know maybe they did, but there's just not enough time to really right. learn that. And that's sort of you, you learn that by baptism by fire. And right. uh, you know it's just you know, learning's in the doing. You know you can read every book on business, you can read every book on veneers and all this other kind of stuff. But until you go do a veneer, do a crown prep, um, until you're in charge of employees and that sort of thing. You're really not going to know what it's like, right? Right. So, so, so tell became, me more. So your purpose. Go ahead. Yeah. So my purpose. So that I became a student of you know, you know, really front loaded my career with um, a lot of um, high end clinical CE 
and then I started, you know, reading, um, becoming a student of marketing and, and business. And I hired a coach who helped me with my practice in 2014, and that was Bill Blashford, who you know made a huge impact on my life. And I'm sorry, can you repeat the name again? I didn't hear that clearly. The name yes, of your coach, Bill, uh, Bill Blashford. Bill Blanchard. Okay, got it. And right. So, so you learned the clinical stuff, and then you you uh, before you even got into the clinical stuff, you you learned the basics, you know, in the army. Then you learned the clinical stuff, and then you got a coach who kind of started helping you see the real world and started helping you deal with the real world, right? How to talk to people, how to market to them, how to build their confidence, how to get them to say yes, how to manage a team, all of that stuff, all of the stuff that. You know, you don't typically learn in a book, but rather you learn by experience. But having a coach to kind of guide you kind of helped you. Oh yeah, I mean, I tried to. Uh, I was, a, you know, in that one that time period when I was a student of marketing and a student of business. You know, there's a lot of uh, free content out there. You can listen to people's webinars, you can read their books, and that sort of thing. But there's nothing like hiring the person who wrote the book, <clears throat> and just they just shorten right. the learning curve. Just it's uh, it's expensive not to do it. You know, people think it's expensive to hire a coach or hire a, cons- a consultant. And, you know, I say it's expensive not to because the if you're coachable and you're willing to learn, they can just shorten that learning curve uh, so much faster than than you could ever dream possible. And uh, I say it's expensive not to. And Mm-hmm. Learned a ton from Bill and behavior psychology, uh, how people make decisions. Um, and most people have no clue uh, how people make decisions. All right. <clears throat> let's let's kind of fast forward to today for a minute. So, I, you're very successful today, right? You bought us another practice, and you know. You are more of an owner slash entrepreneur than just a average dentist, you know, working on people's mouths all day long. Yes, you still do that. You do the things you love. But you have a much bigger future today than you used to just in 2008, just, you know, a short eight years ago. So how do you look at your purpose today? Where are you right now with your life? So where I am right now in my life is I'm – feel like I've sort of conquered the you know I don't I don't want to say money's not important but time now is my new challenge. So I've done you know very well for myself and for our family. And I've set us up for success. So now I think I don't know if most you know most people feel this way but I think after a certain amount you know that you have and that you make um <clears throat> It doesn't matter as much. Um, then I think time becomes more important to you, and so that's sort of where I'm focusing on time. You know, so time. time right, is you fun. start realizing the mo- mortality of life, and you know you have a limited time on this earth. So, right. and then like you said, you know you're confident that you are you have a good business, you have a good team, you have good people around you, you have a good brand. So. This uh, money that kind of kept you up at night, just you know, uh, how I'm going to pay my bills, is no longer in the back of your mind. It's something that 
you're confident on. So now really it's about time. So how have you view on time change over the years? And again, talk about your, 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 your I believe you have a four-year-old uh, child, right? Yes. You have a four-year-old child, so this is precious time. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'll give you, you know, with with wealth, you know, gives you, you know, gives you options. And in some ways, I think, you know, dentistry is, is tough because it can feel like um, like a prison. You know, if you don't, if you, you know, you feel like you, you know, you're sort of trapped in those four walls and you feel like you can't get out. And so one of the things that I've adopted that I learned from Bill Blatchford, my coach, is to retire along the way. You know, so the my parents' generation and <clears throat> a lot of baby boomers, they didn't start enjoying life until they were old. And the old right. mantra was, you know, save, save, save. Um, and when you're 65, then start enjoying it. Well, you know what? Nobody's even guaranteed to make make it to tomorrow or the next minute. Right. My philosophy is that I adopted from Bill is, you know, retire along the way, enjoy it along the way. Right. And, you know, I took, you know, been taking since 2014, uh, nine weeks off <clears throat> a year, which is, um, you know, ironic, uh, you know, income has, you know, been actually higher, you know, taking more time off. And uh, so that's, you know, my, you know, mantra now, you know, take, you know, take time off and, uh, uh, that's an excellent point, right? You know, a lot of people, I guess the old map or the old way of looking at the world is you study, you get a job, you work, and then at 65, retire, and then you enjoy life. But by that time, you're sick and, you know, too tired to do anything. And then it's almost like you get ready to die, you know, but why should we do that, right? Why? Why is that supposedly the way to live life? Why not? enjoy every minute because like you said your daughter won't be four you know is, is it a daughter or son dr hatcher yeah it's a daughter yeah daughter, right yeah, so your daughter won't be four years old forever she's going to be four only today right i mean this year so um if you miss it you miss it so what's the point of life uh you don't know your daughter you don't know your wife and you're busy 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 making all of this stuff and then you wake up one day and you're 65 and nobody cares and nobody wants to be with you because you were not with them when they were when they needed you. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Right, yeah. that's so interesting. Time is, a, so, time is my new currency that I'm shooting right. for. Right, so what you're saying is, so money and success gives you options and then you take those options and you kind of figure out how do you now... Um, um, kind of decide how you're going to put your time, your relationships. Um, you know, um, so in other words, it's a purposeful life. It's not just a oh, random life. It's just autopilot, and you do what everybody else does. It's a life that you choose. It's a life that you decide. It's a life that you design. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I want to change um, patients' lives. And I also want to change my team members' lives. And you know what I mean by that is I want them to be um, successful. You know, not only financially, we um, 
read books together as an office and you know you know read books on psychology sales that sort of thing and so then they grow the practice grows and they grow with their families um so it's not just about you know working on teeth and that sort of thing it's it's bigger than that right it's interesting so your purpose you know started out by just surviving to um you know really becoming a student of uh, the clinical side of dentistry and then realizing becoming a student of the business side of dentistry and now you're kind of becoming a student of life right you know living and not just for you but you know along with your team along with your extended family along with your patients and and hopefully helping them live better helping them have a better life helping them have more happiness right it's interesting right it's the same life same everything it's just that yeah, the, the more you are a student, the more you are growing up, and that's amazing, right? So you are enjoying the journey as much as you are enjoying the destination. Absolutely. Um, so I want to kind of dive a bit deeper into this. So uh, we talked about purpose. Uh, we talked about you know your new currency at this stage of your life. You know, um, a young dentist with a young family, a four-year-old daughter. Um, your new currency is time. And now let me get into relationships, right? Because again. Um, there's a study done by Harvard that kind of said that uh, they followed people over a 50-year period, and they, they kind of came back and said the happiest people were the people who had the best relationships. It's not money. It's not anything else. It's relationships. So how do you think about, you know, you kind of alluded to this. You know, you we want a bigger future, not just for you and your family, but you wanted a happier, better future for your team as well. So how do you think about relationships, let's say, when you started out, um, and again, before I worry about or talk about patients, uh, let me talk about you know um, relationships in terms of your team. Like, how do you think about relationships um, with your team? Like, you know, how did you hire people back then? How do you hire people today? Um, how do you um, engage them today? You know, like, um, I'm just curious. Like, I would love to learn from you. Well, it's kind of a, it's interesting. So I've I've evolved. You know, in the past, you know, I can, um, you know, the first question about, you know, how do I hire people? You know, in the past, <clears throat> I would um, interview them, you know, I'd look at the resumes and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. But as we've evolved and grown as an office, um, I really don't do that now. And so we have a hygienist retire uh I think last year, <clears throat> and you know, we had a, the relationship where it's like, okay, well, you know, give me notice, give me time to find your replacement, and everyone, everybody knows that that works here. Um, that you just can't give me two weeks. You know, I put a lot of time, money, and effort in training everybody, and so you have to give me time to replace <clears throat> to replace you, and. Anyways, so now they, the team, they go out, they put the ads out, they um, screen the applicants, they do the interview. So I'm like the last person, you know. So they make it, if they make it past all those interviews, and I meet them, it's almost like a rubber stamp approval. Um, you know, they've got to get past all of that. And and the, the nice thing about that is that, you know, you don't want to say, hey, here's your new team member, and then they not get along, you know. So, um, you know, so it's really important that that they, um, that there's good chemistry, you know, with everybody. 
So that's something that has changed. You know, a lot. Of, I think a lot of dentists just have a their biggest challenge, and what keeps them from going to higher and higher levels is, I would say, two things. Is number one would be leadership, and number two is they just don't know how to delegate. They have no idea how to delegate, and so I try to stay in my unique ability, which is dentistry. My unique ability <clears throat> isn't QuickBooks. QuickBooks. It's not uh, SEO marketing. It's not you know, pay-per-click campaigns and that sort of thing. I know a little bit about it. You know, need to know a little right. bit about it. But, you know, more importantly, you need to know, well, who do I need to hire? You know, because your butt, when you're at work, needs to be in the chair with a handpiece in your hand, you know, and that's what you need to be doing. Um, but, you know, this friend of mine has a very successful practice, and he does the books. It's like over probably over three, you know, over a $3 million practice. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> doing the QuickBooks. And he was like, um, yeah, I, didn't want my, I don't want my team to know um, how much I make or how much we make. I said, whatever it is, I think it's too much. Said, what are you doing the books for? Are you crazy? Um, so I think that's, you know, the, you know, it just, it just blows my mind that, um, you know, how... I remember I went through an exercise with him one year um, about uh, expenses. I was like, okay, how much should we spend on uh, supplies? You know, this is when we were a little bit smaller, and they were going around the room, and somebody, you know, the team was guessing. I don't know, five thousand, four thousand, and I said, how about try eighty? You know, this was probably two thousand thirteen or fourteen, and you know, dentists are, you know, afraid. To you know, they they have an idea, but they have no idea that you know how expensive it is to run an office. So they have no idea, and it just, right. it just cracks me up that you know they just think that the way people think about it. You know, that's not your unique ability doing QuickBooks, and um, you know your team makes thinks you make more money than you really do. You know, you hit on so many points. I just want to kind of highlight a few. Um, uh, kind of, it's interesting, right? Uh, I think part of you growing up is not just becoming a better clinician, you know, the business side and the marketing side, but you kind of started growing up in terms of um, the way you look at the world, right? And I think a lot of people operate out of fear, right? You know, like you said, this $3 million dentist, you know, practice dentist who still as his own QuickBooks. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, he didn't go to school for that. He probably doesn't know how to do it properly, and he probably doesn't enjoy it. Why is he doing it? And I think it's just that it's almost like, um, you know, um, like I guess in, in, in most of our lives, we are kind of automatically pushed to the next step, right? Grade one, grade two, grade three, you know, university, et cetera, et cetera. And we go on, on our own, and there's nobody to kind of help us go to the next step. We have to kind of figure it out. And some people, they just, get stuck, they don't grow, they don't let go, they don't go to the next step, right? And and you talked about uh, another example, like, you know, you said um, when somebody leaves, they are so committed to your team that they will wait and they will help you find a replacement. It's because you treat them like family and you you, you make sure they, you know, that their future is as important to you as your future, that when they leave, they're not just walking out the door, they care about you, they care about the other team members. 
so now they are they are just fighting for your success even on the day they leave you right it's kind of interesting the way you start looking at the world changes and then the way other people start looking at you changes it's you know you're saying so much so many interesting things and uh, yeah i just wanted to highlight those two points you know it's interesting it's like it's just normal to me so you know you just don't when it, when that's your operating system you don't even think that that's anything special you just that's just the way it is you <laughs> know what do you mean right. doesn't everybody do that <clears throat> right 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 and um it comes back to I think you know the theme of the podcast is you know growing dentist. So it's just that the word growing fundamentally means it's growing, meaning it never stops, it never ends, right? Till the day you die, you're growing. Right. Um, and uh, it's not just you growing alone; it's people around you are growing. Everybody's growing. Your your wife is growing. Your your team members are growing. Your patients are growing, right? And it's just a journey where we kind of share and you know go together. And the other point you make made is. Um, you know, unique ability, right? Which is, you know, you don't want to be everything man. because, you know, A, you don't love everything. So why be miserable half your life? Why not just do the things you love and then let's find other people who love the things you don't love to do or you're not passionate about. You know, like we do your SEO and your marketing and stuff. And, uh, you know, you have probably an office manager who kind of, you know, runs things for you. You know, you have probably a, you know, a hygienist who loves taking care of people's, you know, day-to-day dental health so it's kind of interesting it's just um yeah talk to me a little bit about you know um how do you go about you know helping people understand their unique abilities just like yours and then how do you go about creating teamwork it takes leadership <clears throat> it's creating teamwork and um it's not easy tell me more give me some examples <laughs> so i'll give you an example um, you know, hygienists in our profession are just kind of notorious for, well, I don't do this and I don't do that. And they just kind of have the stereotype of being prima donnas. And you know, I share in the, the success of the practice, and it's you know shared equally with everybody, and everybody's important. And so we have everybody in our office cross-trained, and we... Um, as a rule, as a law, we try to come together as an office, you know, come in together and leave together. So, you know, what that means is you know, we set up for our, our first patient the day before. And um, the hygienist had no idea how hard our assistants were working to set up for the next day until they started doing that job. And then mm-hmm. sometimes the hygienist had no idea how hard it is to answer the phone. And the phone's ringing like crazy because we take a lot of time off. So then that means that sometimes, you know, an assistant is going to have to be covering the phones up front or a hygienist is going to have to be covering the phones up front. Uh, and that sort of thing when the office is closed and, uh, you know, until they experience it, you know, it takes leadership to lead them to that. Um, and it's all about, you know, I don't, the, I can't remember what the question was, you know, the other question, but I think it's all about questions and how you frame questions is the secret in life. Is nobody responds, at least in my experience, that well to 
lecturing or just telling somebody something. But, you know, there's a real art form of asking questions. And that's, I think, the secret in case acceptance is asking questions. Um, you, know, you know, what's, you know, Julie, what, Mrs. Jones, what's, you know, what's important to you? Uh, what's your long-term goal, you know, with your tea, you know? And, um, just asking questions, you know, or asking your teammate um, when they do something that, you know, you disapprove of. So how do you think you did, you know, with, you know, that scenario, um, you know, with that patient? You think could have, you know, is there anything you you think could have gone better? I mean, they're kind of loaded questions, but you mm -hmm. lead people with questions of where you want to take them. And uh, the same thing at home, same thing with your child. Um, you know, acknowledge their feelings. <clears throat> but I think it's all about questions. Right. What have you found? It's interesting. So, go, go ahead, doctor. What, I mean, what do you think? What what have you found? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I know we started talking about unique ability, and uh, I think we're talking about, you know, how do we help people figure out their unique ability, and I know, I know we, we kind of talked about several points. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, um, I, I kind of uh, sometimes tell, share the story with people that I know, if you look at Mark Zuckerberg, um, you know, by the time he was 18, you know, he had grown his confidence so many times. You know, he builds games with his buddies and he tells it. And he actually, his dad is a dentist, I'm sure some of you know, some of our listeners know this. Uh, dad used to scream, you know, from the, you know, the dental shop downstairs to mom upstairs. And he's like, oh, I don't want mom and dad, you know, yelling and yelling and hearing all this noise. He develops this app so that they can communicate, right, between the dental office and home. And then, by the time he was 17, you know, he had built a company or a product that Microsoft wanted to pay a million dollars for. And then by the time he's 18, he had grown his confidence so much, right? So he's not waiting for a job. He's not waiting for somebody to tell him or, you know, ask him to do stuff. Um, so listening to you talk, I mean, your confidence grew a lot, right? I mean, here is a person who just, uh, you know, just uh, took life as it came, went to Korea, did all kinds of fun stuff, and then you know, bought this practice and just wanted to survive and then grew and grew and grew. And as you grew, your confidence grew. And not only did you grow, your team grew. So I think, um, yeah, I think, yeah, secret to life, you know, there are a lot of uh, interesting things. And obviously one I think is asking questions, making people think, if if I may use that term, right? I mean, you talked about case acceptance, right? It's never a lecturing to patients saying, you need this, you need that. I mean, there's a story that I still remember, it's, you know, I went to this dentist locally and I never met the guy and people did stuff on me and then he comes to me, he doesn't even know my name and he's like, oh, you need this, you need this, you need this, it's going to be 20,000 bucks. He didn't even ask me, why did I even show up there that day, right? And uh, I mean, humans are humans. I think at the end of the day, whether it's dentistry or doesn't matter what you're doing with them, it, you know, you have to listen to them, you have to ask them, you have to learn... You know, you have to understand what they want, right? And then you have to help them get that. And then sometimes you can influence the way they think, and sometimes, you know, you can just do what they want. But at the end of the day, we have to serve somebody, and serving starts with asking, right? It's uh, so I think I think I think you're on to the point about you know asking questions because it's really when when you're asking genuinely, you care. It's about them. It's not about you. It's not about you doing 
you know, some kind of, um, how do I put it, um, some kind of, uh, um, like you pushing your agenda. It's really, it's really you helping them get what they want, right? And I think exactly. it's very powerful, right? And I think, yeah, and um, I think with technology and stuff, we are losing that human touch. So I think it's it's great that, you know, people like you, Doctor, who are remembering that at the end of the day, there's a human being on the other side, whether it's your team member or whether it's your patient. Well, you know, that's your that's your only weapon in the U.S. against uh, managed care. You know, a lot of right. um, people are complaining about, you know, reimbursement rates and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's, a, you know, you have to establish... Uh, you know, relationships, you know, with these patients. That's right. your only defense against corporate dentistry. And how do you do that? You got to get to know them. You got to right. ask them questions. Hey, how was right. your how was your um how was your Christmas? How was your holiday? You know, Happy New Year. And, right. You know those types of things. And if you don't do those, if you know the um you know like the the, you know, the billing experience you had in Toronto, I mean, you're not going to be an ambassador of that practice. Um, right. You know, you're just not. Right. Yeah, that's an excellent point. You know, it's about you know serving others and understanding what they want. And and we talked about unique ability teamwork. And I think again, it, that's the same thing, right? Find out what people want and what they love. And 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 the other thing I kind of like you mentioned today, which I'm going to try myself, is. You know, helping people experience different parts of um, teamwork, right? You know, even somebody who's answering a phone, a hygienist who might think, oh, it's it's no big deal, but you have to do it for you to appreciate it. I think that's an excellent point, you know, almost like making, helping people live in other people's shoes, right? Like instead of living in your own bubble. Right. Um, and this goes back to the point you were mentioning earlier, right? Some of the clinical experts, you know, they work on dentists and hygienists. They don't work on real people, and it's nothing against them. It's just that sometimes this bubble uh, kind of helps you not not know what's important, right? So, and it's kind of interesting. You know, sometimes you have to burst the bubble and kind of you know live in the real world. Um, right, right. And I think success creates bubbles, right? That's unfortunate, but but it is. So we have to somehow um, realize that and kind of go back to the real world. Um, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, this is a pretty long um, podcast. Usually we do 20 to 30 minutes, but I enjoyed every minute of it. Just to kind of summarize and, you know, add any points you want to add. So uh, we talked about, you know, how you started thinking about purpose and how it changed and evolved. And obviously it's still a journey. So I'm sure if I talk to you in three more years, I'm sure you would have grown even more. We talked about, you know, your relationship with time. Uh, and we talked about, you know, um, relationships itself and how you are changing the way you look at it, you know. And um, yeah, anything else you want to add, Doctor? Before we wrap um, up? No, I think that's. I think that's. Um, I think that's a, a lot that's of a lot. <laughs> a lot to digest. I mean, if they, if they really, you know, right. if they really listen, uh, if they really want to learn, I mean, I think that's. That's. Uh, I mean, that's. 15 years of growth and evolution for yeah. me and everyone's going to have a different a different journey exactly exactly 
Yeah, I really, really enjoyed our conversation today, and I would love to have you back, uh, you know, one of these days and talk to you more about, for example, you know, um, relationships not just with your team but with your patients. You know, get maybe more in depth in terms of, you know, how you do, how you work on case acceptance, and you know, how you think about marketing and all kinds of interesting topics. So I really enjoyed it, Doctor. This is awesome, and I do genuinely appreciate you taking the time to, you know, share with our listeners. Your life journey, this is not some, you know, textbook answer. This is real life. This is, you know, um, you know, blood and bones. <laughs> well, I appreciate you and your team and everything that you guys have done, you know, for our practice. It's It's really been great. Thank you very much, Dr. Hatcher. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, hope to join you again in uh, one more series of uh, podcasts real soon. Have a wonderful uh, day. Thank you.